Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Azuz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Alex Morton from Timberseed. For the last two years, she'd been building her career within the SaaS space. So in her first year at Timberseed, she was in a full 360 role and her best year to date has been 350 grand. For the last year, she's been in a role where 50% is team management and then the other 50% has been new business and account management. However, in this episode, we really go deep into what world-class delivery looks like. How can we deliver an exceptional candidate experience? How can we drive referrals? How can we get more out of our existing clients? As well as this, we go into a really powerful function and team that Timberseed have, which is the research function. We go into how they leverage this resource from utilizing it for long list, short list, market mapping, for uh, data insights on the industry, whether it be salary surveys, career reports, you name it. As well as this, we talk about retained and how we've gone about pitching that and so many other things. Alex did such a great job of breaking things down in detail. So I'm really excited for all of you to listen to this because it is full of actionable insights that you can take your team and your business. Enjoy this week's episode. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for making the trip. Yeah. Obviously not too far from your office. Yeah, literally five minutes away. <laughs> yeah, so and I really appreciate it. Looking forward to this one. I know that, you know, you are very much involved in winning business, account management, but when we spoke, I was really excited to really delve into what makes world-class delivery. Because mm-hmm. I know that's been your world in terms of whether that be, uh, you know, doing it yourself or managing people in the delivery team. So I'm really excited to, to go into that today. But mm-hmm. I guess just to give everyone some immediate context, like I said, anything that I miss here that you think is important, pull me up on that. Yeah. Internship at Michael Page. Like many years ago. <laughs> is... Um, not many people, not many people do that. I feel like I might be completely wrong, but I absolutely love that. So internship at Michael Page. Then you started your recruitment career in 2016 in the education recruitment. You was very much, you know, building a desk from scratch, 360, temp and perm, working with state schools was difficult. Yeah, it was a tough time. Um, <laughs> then you actually went internal, right? Yeah, so it wasn't actually internal. So I was working for Tez. Mm which is essentially like an ed tech company. So they have lots of different services that they provide to schools. So Mm. they acquired loads of different SaaS products that they've sold to schools, but they also provided a recruitment service. So I kind of managed effectively a delivery team 
Okay, but yeah, so it was, that's yeah. what I wasn't sure. It wasn't quite internal, but yeah, it's a bit confusing. For. It's not your typical recruitment. Yeah, agency, but still yeah. very much education recruitment. But then you've got this really cool exposure to you know schools all over the world, uh, international recruitment. But like you said, it's still very much building on that skill set of delivery, candidate experience, placing people. Yeah. Then you joined Timberseed in September 2021, and over the last yeah, obviously we we're pretty much two years. Mm-hmm. First 12 months, I think you was full 360, right? In terms yeah. of, yeah, uh, doing the the full 60 role. Obviously, your world is SaaS startups, particularly SDRs and startups and early um, career opportunities. And then for the past year, you've been in, I think we broke it down, didn't we? So the past year, about 50% of your role has been team management, yeah. particularly managing a team of delivery consultants. So, you know, that involves one-on-ones. Uh, there's about, I think, five people in your team. You also work closely with uh, someone called George, who is very much entirely focused on winning business. Mm-hmm. But then the other half of your job is split between new business and account management. And then I think first year at Timbersy did 350. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Is that best year in recruitment? No. Uh, yeah, that was my let's best go. year. Yeah, so yet to beat it, but. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. So let's start with then the million pound question. I know that you hire young people going into, you know, the SAS world, but you also live and breathe that for yourself. So you hire a lot of young people. So talk to me about what you believe are the common characteristics and traits that make up a successful recruit in today's market. Okay, so I think just from listening to the podcast, a lot of people have quite similar answers. You know, there's the resilience piece, there's the the mindset, there's the work ethic. So all of those, there's definitely a huge part of it. But I think, well, especially for our industry, just looking for people who are, they really understand people so they can read and and describe people. Because what we're looking for is not hard skills. You know, we're not recruiting software engineers or people in finance who need to have those hard skills. We're looking for people with those natural soft skills when we hire people we look for people who can identify those kind of characteristics they can mm. naturally read people i also think people we like to hire people who are good listeners so mm. active listeners so not just listening to respond listening to understand mm. i think also a good eye for detail definitely helps a lot just in terms of the qualification process and understanding all the roles that we work on an eye for detail just so you don't you know leave any stones left unturned I think a good memory as well. I feel like, I don't know if that's been mentioned in the podcast before, but just that natural ability to remember all the candidates that you're working with, all the jobs. Like obviously you can have things written down and, you know, on, on the database, et cetera. But having that memory is, I think, that natural, yeah, that natural skill that I think can be developed. But I think looking for people who have that is, yeah, is really key. Mm. Really like the active listening piece, something that I wasn't very good at at the start of my career. Yeah, I think a lot of people just, they can't wait to jump in with their next question. Like, oh, I've got a great question to ask. They're not really, prob- they're not actively listening. They might, you know, be writing down notes, but they're listening to respond rather than listening to understand. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. I, yeah, I always remember early on in my recruitment career, I'd literally ask a question and answer it for them somehow. <laughs> yeah, or you just keep talking. I think recruiters yeah. love the sound of their own voice a lot of the time. So you just keep waffling on and on and on. But mm. eventually people stop listening Mm. i think more is no so less is more Mm. in recruitment curious then with those traits in mind how does your interview process look like because maybe you've done some interesting things that people could learn from like do you have some interesting steps by the the normal stuff do you get your people to do certain activities and tasks in between interview steps anything to share there that has helped you guys you know be confident these people have those traits yeah so as you said a lot of the people we recruit are very young so some of them are 
placement students. They're actually still at uni. So they're literally, some of them are barely turned 20. So Mm. very young. So uh, some of them are grads as well, but all of them are below the age of 22. So what we do is we get them to record a a one-way video. Mm. So I think we used to use Odro, we now use Preview Me. So I think some recruiters will use, a lot of recruiters will use those tools, but it just gives you an impression of how they present themselves, how they talk. I mean, it's a bit awkward talking to yourself on a camera. So, you know, how they come across and, you know, that energy they bring, I think that's that's really important. What do you get them to talk about? Just themselves, really. Um, What's the prompt? Is it tell us yeah, tell one me, interesting fact about Yeah, it's pretty something. basic, to be honest. Um, like, tell me about yourself, why you want to work in recruitment mm. and why timber seed. So I think showing those research skills are really important. So showing that they've researched. So when they actually come in for the interview, they need to have done a lot of research on the industries that we recruit into, which is recruitment and SaaS sales, essentially. So a lot of them have no clue before they actually hear about Tim. So, you know, they're applying to loads of different mm. placements, just whatever's on the job board at, at university or whatever the careers advisors telling them to apply to so that research is super important so we verify that research when they come in like they have to do a little presentation we also get them to do a small task when they come in so that could be like a cv review task so look through these cvs which job specs would you match them to and why so it's just Mm. a really basic task but I think showing their reasoning or getting them to explain their reasoning is really important we also get them to listen to some calls and describe that person's personality and you know if they think that basically score them out of 10 obviously we don't say the candidate's name or anything Mm. but they have to score them out of 10 and give that rationale as to why they gave them that score so there's a few different tasks because I think there's nothing really to go off on their CV just where they went to uni and yeah maybe they worked in Tesco for a few months but that doesn't really matter it's about who they are as a person so we're trying to draw Mm. that out get them to show those core competencies rather than just, you know, their background, because that's pretty much irrelevant in this job. What else do we do in the interview process? They also have to meet pretty much everyone. Like, it's a really intense It sounds like interview. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But it sounds like it weeded out a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, I think we had about 800 applications to the year in industry last year, just because, you know, people apply to all sorts of stuff. Mm. It's not necessary. People that are genuinely interested in recruitment. So a lot of them are just not suitable. But when they actually come in, they're here for about, well, they're in the office for about five hours. Five hours? Yeah. Well, so if they If they're good, if they're not very good, they can probably be in and out in an hour. But yeah, they meet all the consultants, some of the current placement students. They meet the directors. Mm. They meet me as like a senior manager, some of the other senior managers. So they'll even meet people like uh, from marketing and just to get different perspectives because I think mm. people have a different idea of what's good. And we're not just trying to hire in our image. We're not just trying to hire people that are like, uh, like carbon copies of mm. us. But they have to be a good culture fit. But... I think you don't want to just hire, you know, mini me's. Mm. We want people that bring different perspectives. So, and also to make it fairer, I guess, we'll go away and give them a score privately. So we won't discuss it. We'll give them the school, we'll score them in different categories. So their just general demeanor, their personality, how they come across, their confidence, the the level of research, their knowledge about timber seed and our sectors. So there's lots of different sort of categories that we score them on. And then we... It's kind of like an anonymous scoring system. Then we, we come together and basically score. Oh, like, the, man- your ma- the manager's word? Everyone would. Everyone that met, meets oh them God. gives them a score. So we kind of calculate that. And then people who have the highest scores ultimately get the get offer. Okay. So it's not just because I think we used to, we've changed this a lot since I've been part of the hiring process. So we used to just kind of hire on a on a vibe. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Like a lot of people. Like you said, there's do. no there's no background really. But like you might go, oh have you have you been in a sports team and stuff like that. Yeah, I think any recruitment interview that I've ever been a part of is just like 
a chat. Yeah. Tell me about a time you've demonstrated resilience. You mm. know, it's all the same, really. And they're good questions to ask. But I think, you know, when we're hiring people that are, I say they're just placement students, but they really are the future of our business. So mm. the idea is that they do the placement, then they come back as a like more senior consultant because essentially they've had a year mm. of recruitment experience. They go back to uni, then they come back. So that's kind of the, mm. the program that we try and run. It doesn't work for everyone. Not everyone wants to come back. Not everyone wants to work in recruitment for the rest of their lives. But some people, we do get a few gems that have come back. Yeah, and George, means, George was actually one of them. He was uh, the, the guinea pig year in industry and he's been here <laughs> for like four years now. So, But it also means when you are hiring those types of people, you're hopefully getting the best of the, the bunch rather than just you know, a young person that can help with like different tasks and take time off people. So just yeah. curious then, just to wrap that up, that, that's super interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Because there's a bunch of different tasks there, like the video piece, the presentation, yeah, meeting, people, a lot. Yeah. meeting <laughs> a lot of different people, listening to calls. From your perspective, don't expect to have the exact stats, but how much do you think that's impacted like attrition and people being, and like people being good out of interest by having that sort of system? Um, in terms of people that return after mm. their year in industry or people that like people that I guess so is that process just for the year placement people um, so it than... is for grads as well right yeah so all I mean we've hired a few I say grads some of them have been graduated for like a year but right. it's their first job in recruitment so they're all still here do you think that process has yeah helped with when you hire people like that, that um, absolutely that... yeah everyone that we've hired since I I think we've hired about five people since I started. One of them left after a year to yeah. go to another recruitment That's job. But they're all still here and they've all received at least one promotion, promotion yeah. since they've been here. Yeah, I love that. Appreciate you sharing that. Let's just go into then like world-class delivery because mm-hmm. I'm excited to dive into this. So yeah. I know your first year was very much 360 and it wasn't just delivery, but yeah, keen to go into this with you because of the team that you manage. So would you mind just sharing like the setup at Timberseed, because this may not be, you know, normal for every single team. There's definitely plenty of recruitment organizations out there that have people that just, you know, are hunters that go out and win new business, then have a delivery team that support them on delivering, you know, hiring projects and different things. But would you mind just starting by saying, by sharing like your team, your like unit and like the setup, and then we can go into it. Yeah. So I think Timberseed is a bit different than a lot of recruitment companies. I mean, I haven't worked in all recruitment mm. companies, so I don't actually know this for, for certain, but I think the the actual recruitment process is split into three. So we have three different areas of specialism. So we obviously have people like me and George who are sort of winning new businesses, more the client facing side. Mm-hmm. So I guess that could be classes 180. We mm. still do about candidate delivery, but you know, now and then if it's a more senior candidate. And then we have the delivery team that mm. are purely focused on speaking to candidates, qualifying candidates, managing them through the, through the process. They don't actually do any of their own sourcing. We kind of outsource the, well, we call them the research function and they're based in our office in Warsaw. Mm-hmm. So their job is to essentially source candidates, build its market mapping, mm-hmm. building out those different networks that we kind of headhunt from within because we don't use job boards or anything like that. Most of the most don't use job boards. Don't use job boards at For all. For entry level talent, really. No job boards. Yeah. So we oh, really? operate like a, almost like a, executive search type company. You know, we're market mapping, building out that graduate network every year. So we have multiple different networks. We've got you know your, your bog standard graduate network, like that's split into lots of different mm. subcategories, like Russell Group, you mm. know Oxbridge, and sort of non Russell Group, and then we've got the bilingual network because yeah. we a lot of the SDR hires that we do speak a second language like for the German market mm. French market etc um, and then we have like sort of slightly more experienced candidates and building up so the, the researchers in Warsaw 
I mean, it's a, such a like incredible function that we have. Like, mm. I don't know how I used to operate without a function like that, but it's a big engine room of constantly sourcing candidates and these people are being contacted all the time, not necessarily about one specific job. It's not like we get the job and we go and find mm. the person. Sometimes we do work reactively like that, but we're kind of proactively building out that network, reaching out to graduates, messaging them about our opportunities and educating them on the jobs. Because I'd say... 90% of graduates don't know what an SDR yeah, exactly, yeah. is. So that's a big part of what we're just constantly doing in the background. Mm, so just curious then, just quickly, what are, so if I'm a delivery person, mm -hmm. delivery consultant, sorry, delivery, delivery consultant in that delivery function, love, really like that super smart on the, the research front. I absolutely love that. What are like the deliverables? So what I mean by that is if I'm a delivery consultant, what is my researcher given me if you get what I mean so I understand that they're always then you know consistently building these talent communities from mm -hmm. you know from a timber speed perspective not necessarily like pitching people jobs but just always growing that network and always growing you know the people that could potentially be at some point interested in a career in SaaS sales what are they providing the delivery consultant like do you get what I mean? So like they're getting like every week it's like, hey guys, we've, you know, there's these bunch of graduates that have recently come onto LinkedIn or what, I don't know, what, what are like the deliverables? Before we go right back to the conversation, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about one of our podcast partners, One Up Sales. So let's talk about getting the most from your existing recruitment consultants. It's not always about expanding the team especially now, but maximizing the potential of those already with you. And that's precisely what OneUp Sales, our podcast sponsor, can help you do. Their robust sales performance management platform offers a unique blend of transparency, competition, and motivation. They help you to identify the areas your consultants excel in and those where they could use a boost. With personalized targets, real-time performance tracking, and engaging rewards, your team will be motivated to achieve more and more. With OneUp Sales, you're not just supervising your consultants, you're fueling their ambition. So why settle for good when you can get OneUp and be great? Because you listen to this podcast, you get a unique offer, which is 10% off each user on the platform. Use the link in the show notes to get your hands on that offer to check out one Sales, so it can help you get more out of your current team. Now let's get back to the conversation. It's CVs and calls booked. So, CVs and calls booked. Yeah, so oh, they okay. so we'll constantly be building up that network that's on our database and we'll yep. normally reach out to those people through, um, we'll sometimes set them up on like a source well, like an email yep. cadence or just mail merge them mm -hmm. directly so we get their CVs back from that so they're candidates that are kind of sitting in our database and then there's the kind of I guess fresh candidates who are straight from LinkedIn mm. that are, might be there could be a grad or someone with a bit of experience but generally we work on roles like naught to five years of, mm -hmm. of experience so they have to book a call into the consultant's diary right. um, so number of calls booked number of CVs sent although a lot of what we do we've kind of changed how we target the researchers because it's not there is a very different skill type it's obviously very research heavy mm. it's not we're not hiring recruiters we're not looking for that kind of competitive resilient mm. type 
person. Like we're looking for smart people who have like that eye for, for detail, enjoy those kind of nitty gritty research tasks, building those talent lists, mm. those long lists and researching the, the network on, on LinkedIn. So we normally uh, sort of target them on time spent on a particular activity. Mm. So it could be two hours spent because they also help with the market mapping for BD collecting leads. So oh, wow. could be in the morning they have two hours spent collecting leads to pass mm. on to me and George and then we can then reach out to them. In the afternoon it could be two hours spent on a specific project. For example, we've got one of our clients who are opening up a new office in Germany. So we're sort of, I guess, adding people, connecting with people who are based in Munich for yeah. that job. So they'll have specific projects that they're working on and then they'll have the general day-to-day, you know, like collecting leads, stuff, yeah. messaging people, asking for their CV about a particular role, posting job ads on LinkedIn. Mm. So yeah, loads of different activities that they do. They also help build our uh, salary benchmarking reports, our uh, industry like hiring reports. So all the, we do like a quarterly movers and leavers report. So mm. it's all that added value that mm. the delivery team or, you know, me as a sort of manager we, we don't have time to do yeah, all of but that people but a lot of people are expected to do that or like those things that you just said are pretty important tasks to do to be successful yeah yeah when i joined tim seed i couldn't believe it i was like oh so i just speak to clients and that's mm. pretty obviously i manage people as well but i was like you know a lot of that it's a, it's very time draining activities sometimes that kind of market mapping you know the yeah, messaging yeah, people sure. and so how how big is that research team Oh, I think it's, oh, it's grown like massively since I joined. So roughly 20 people. Yeah. And 20 that researchers. Supports how many people do you think? I'd say the offices are kind of evenly split. So actually probably just less than 20, about 18. And then we've had about 15 in the London office. Yeah. So about 18 people support 15 people. Okay. And they also support the BD element to it. Not just, okay, cool. Yep. Okay. Super interesting then. So, so that's the split. Basically you've got the the people that are very much entirely focused on getting in front of clients, you know, winning hiring projects, mm-hmm. people that are then, so the delivery consultants, bar the stuff, all the stuff that you just mentioned, what are like the key things for them then? Are they, yeah, like qualifying candidates, all these types of things? What are like the, the core elements that a delivery consultant does? So the metrics that we kind of target them on on a weekly basis is, well, KPIs, I guess, like the number of calls that they do daily. So, yeah. you know, 50, 60 calls a day like mm-hmm. they get through high volume because the, the work what we're doing is is kind of high volume low value because it's more entry level yeah. stuff so yeah number of calls they're doing number of C- candidates qualified a number of cvs sent out to the client so sent to us and then we'll mm-hmm. obviously quality check everything and make sure they're good enough to send to the client and well, they have to, obviously the number of interviews that are arranged as a result of that that's what they're targeted on so yeah their job is just to speak to as many people as possible per day to find those diamond Diamond, candidates basically okay cool so talk to us about how you've got better at quality checking so i mean a huge part of what i do is listening to people's calls Mm. so listening to the delivery consultants calls they have to send me their qualification calls so that could be a phone call or often we'll record like the video qualification call which is like a more in-depth like Mm. second call so I won't do that for every candidate because I'll be literally there 24 hours a day listening to calls. But I, yeah, I listen to the calls normally on high speed. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah, because it, it takes too much time. So what I'll do is I'll provide feedback to the consultant. So I normally use, I think it's called like the GAR method. So what's good, what points you need to action and the remedy for that. So I'll say, okay, what was good about this call is you did this, this, and this. Mm. You dove a bit deeper into like potential counter offers. You asked them about the interviews. You know that's you know great qualification call. 
what you didn't speak about is I don't know they're they're relocating you didn't Mm. really dig into into that in any depth the remedy for that is okay next call you need to sort of ask them about the logistics relocating so it's like what was good what could have been better and the remedy for that so you give an actionable feedback rather than and just three simple bullet points yeah rather than oh yeah it was all right you could have done better you could have dug a bit deeper and they're like okay what on specifically Mm. like you know so I think it's that kind of reflection giving them feedback so I'm obviously quality checking that for the client we track data across everything so every candidate will track all different types of data whether they're you know male female what kind of Mm. university they went to the degree classification location all that kind of stuff i'll make sure that all tracked and then just the general quality checking of how we're presenting the candidates to the clients so Mm. how we're selling them because they're normally graduates without much experience what experience are we drawing out and what are we highlighting to the what's important to the client mm. making sure the delivery team really understand that because they, they're not on every client meeting so mm. making sure we're all singing from the same hymn sheet making sure i'm recording the client calls if they're not on it getting them really involved in that so so what they aren't so they can understand like the culture what's important to them what makes that business different yeah their EVP, exactly. et cetera. yeah because one company is very different from the next what they're looking for from an SDR is so different so mm. it's not like a one-size-fits-all you can't just fling a CV out to mm. five clients and you know hope for the best so it's really they need to really understand the the uniqueness mm. of each client and each job so you quality check by making sure that you do consistent coaching on them getting better at qualifying candidates essentially yeah so but then in terms of the process then they've got someone they did the video call they then say hey Alex this person I think would be perfect for x client and then you're like yep I agree and then you present them to the client yeah yeah pretty much yeah and a lot of the time they might not be suitable or we don't have anything for them so we think okay let's create a plan of action for this particular candidate if we think they've got potential yeah sure curious then done anything smart on presenting I feel like you know the way that you guys do things it so have you found anything because like you said, you're presenting people that like a lot of the time haven't got the previous experience to say this person has worked as an SDR for the last two years, hit their quota for, you know, X percent. So like you, do you know what I mean? You haven't got as much of that. Mm-hmm. So how are you presenting these people who you're really drilling into on their characteristics and like the culture fit and, you know, these things? Have you done anything smart there in presenting these people to your yeah. clients? I mean, I don't think we've reinvented the wheel yet on that i think there's probably smarter ways that we can work so we'll we do it in very straightforward way we're Mm. you know we normally do like a candidate write-up we just do a few bullet points based on who they are as a person and draw out those i guess those competencies where they might have demonstrated elsewhere like in competitive sport or Mm. you know being president of some society university i say most of the graduates that we represent are they're like the elite level graduates in terms Mm. they've done tons of internships they've had loads of client customer facing roles they're not just your bog standard graduate so drawing presenting that experience and addressing things that might be a red flag so sometimes like so if someone studied a degree in law why do they want to be an SDR like the the client will just look at that and think no and if that person had applied to an advert directly they would have just immediately been rejected because you've got no relevant experience done a law degree like Mm. how is this relevant so I think really articulating in a very simple way why they are relevant and why they are right for that company using those kind of buzzwords that Mm. the client has relayed to me on what they're looking for, that sort of resilience, someone who can explain quite a technical concept in, you know, really engaging way, like that kind Mm. of person, someone who's got the right kind of raw soft skills for sales. We do also use video 
presenting I was say, sometimes. Do you use the video element? Sometimes it depends. What I mean, yeah. If it's a new client and they they really want to kind of see what our candidates are like before sort of entering that partnership mm. with Timothy, then sometimes we do that. I'd say most of the time I present like an initial shortlist of candidates whilst I'm on a call with a client. So I talk through why we think they're good, why we think they've got potential on live on a call. So mm. we'll look through the, the candidates together because it's so easy to dismiss a CV just for not being relevant. Totally, yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. And then I guess just on the final bit on the, the delivery consultants then, if you've done a lot of coaching, where has often been where people like slip up or you find yourself? What's been the most consistent remedy? Do you know what I mean? I think that might be helpful for people. Most consistent like remedy. what have you found yourself repeating yourself on, whether it be, you know, even the placement year or younger people that you were helping last year to this year, what's always ended up being the things that you've really tried to drill down on for them to get good at quickly, mm-hmm. which would be really, you know, helpful because I'm sure there's something that they always make people typically fall short and it might be just digging deeper or like just being order takers, but like, oh yeah, you want to relocate to London. Okay, cool. Great. And then on to the next question. I don't know if there's anything that you found that sometimes people just sometimes slip up on yeah I think a lot of people especially when there's pressure to fill jobs like Mm. we're saying to them every day we need more CVs for Mm. this job we need more candidates and they're like oh shit I need to get Mm. more candidates so they can skip things so not cutting corners so sometimes I'll go back over their qualification and there's lots of things that they've missed I think also not just hearing what you want to hear so someone Mm. might come across well you know they're bubbly they're bright etc but do they really want a career in in, as an SDR like do they mm. really know how tough it's going to be can they really deal with that rejection so getting them in that second qualification call to the candidate has to come with examples of why mm-hmm. they've demonstrated that so not just hearing what you want to hear with a candidate because sometimes a candidate will be like yeah they, they, they want a job basically they, they're a graduate they're sitting at home on, on the mm. sofa they're like I just want a job so they'll tell they're speaking to a recruitment consultant who's their age and they're like yeah like this sounds great do they really want that? So it's about having that. Mm. I think it com- really comes from experience. It's digging deeper and understanding what the candidates really want. What what are their values when it comes to a job? Why are they doing this? Is it because they want to buy a house or support their parents? Or mm. um, are they just a really competitive person? Like really digging deeper into who these people are as a person, not cutting corners in the qualification. And yeah, just not, not just hearing what you want to hear. Yeah, I love it. Commission structure then. Mm-hmm. how have you approached that how have you structured that we've had people on the podcast before where I think often times deli- like when you say I'm a delivery consultant that's viewed as not as good as a 360 consultant yeah so sometimes that can be reflected in how people are incentivized like we've had people on the podcast before where they had to change the commission structure because the delivery function which they literally described as the engine room of the business mm-hmm. were earning probably too much less than compared to the people that were doing like bringing on the clients and these things but they were the people you know providing the shortlist and the candidates so how have you approached that curious how have you structured what people get how much of the the placements goes to the delivery consultants Mm -hmm. how does that work we'll get right back into the conversation in a moment but before we do i wanted to tell you about one of our long-time podcast partners vincere so ask yourself this Is your team feeling the effects of manual data entry and outdated processes? Relegate repetitive and monotonous tasks to Vincere, your all-in-one recruitment operating system. 
Imagine a few extra hands helping you sift through the busy work day in, day out. That's the benefit of Incherry's automation tools and features. From interview scheduling, automated templates, CV formatting, reporting, and more. You're going to reduce error rates, streamline compliance, and accelerate return on investment. It works like magic. And the best part, you keep morale high and productivity goes through the roof. Today's episode is kindly sponsored by Vincherry, the top-rated recruitment software by TrustRadius in 2023. You get an exclusive offer for listening to this podcast, which is 10% off the user price. Reach out to the team and arrange a quick demo or use a link in the show notes to book an exploratory call and get your hands on that exclusive offer and start using great tools within there, all-in-one platform like automation. First of all, I've never really understood that kind of you know, there's so much emphasis on, you know, we need good BD mm. consultants and they're often like put on a pedestal. And yeah. I kind of get that. Obviously you can't fill the job if you don't have the jobs. And mm. that is a skill in itself, especially, you know, it's more kind of experienced and consultants tend to do that. But the delivery is such a skill in itself. Like if you win the jobs and you can't deliver on them, then what's the point? Mm. Like you're just disappointing your clients. So I think in my eyes, they're equally as important as, as one and they're two sides of the same coin. But in terms of commission, so if someone's on a placement, you know, they're doing an internship, so they don't get the same commission structure yeah, as course. like a permanent consultant. So they'll get like a, a bonus per placement, which can yeah. be anything from £200 per placement to £500, depending. It's like a, How many, yeah. a scale of, you know, the different thresholds. What about so like permanent employees? Permanent consultants, it's 50-50. Really? So, yeah. So, for example, if I bring on, or if George brings on a client, and then the, the, the delivery consultant, if they're a permanent member of staff, fills that then it's split 50-50. So yeah, mm. we kind of put equal emphasis on, uh, re- reward them equally. Mm. Some of the placement students as well, they go on to that permanent commission structure before the end of the year. If they're doing really well, we mm. want to reward them because they are treated, the expectations are so high for these placement students mm. that we want to reward them. If they're good and they've got potential, we reward them and then they come back and they're on they're on that same commission structure as a permanent. Okay, well, they come back as a permanent member of staff and it's 50-50. No, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Okay. So let, let's talk about, like, I know we went really granular there, but there's so many, like, interesting things on people thinking about their delivery function, how to set it up, how to approach it. Love the researcher insights in there as well. I think that's so powerful. And I'd be surprised if more and more companies don't try and at least build a function like mm-hmm. that because it's so powerful and time-consuming. Yeah. So to have people dedicated to that is so powerful. Like if we were to talk about new business then, which I know you've had to do more and more of more recently, let's bring the delivery function into it. Like how has then having these two functions, the delivery consult, the delivery function, the researcher function, how do you feel that has then impacted yours and George's sales process or ability to sell? Like I'd be really excited to get in front of clients and say, well, this is how we work. We have our researcher function who are doing this. We have our delivery consultants that are doing this. It's not just, hey, I'm the consultant you should be speaking to. I only speak to SDRs all day, mm. every day. Like, you should trust me to fill this position. Like, I will, yeah, do you get what I mean? Like, how has that impacted your sales process? Because I feel like that could be pretty powerful. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, it's freed up, it frees up a lot of our time to focus on bringing on high-value clients yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of SDR jobs out there mm. even now we're seeing the market shift there's even more jobs being advertised I think it there was a bit of a lull like mm. earlier this year but yeah it frees up a lot of our time it gives us a lot more confidence when we're going into that discovery call with a prospect I normally split the discovery call into two parts so there's the initial maybe 30 minute chat understanding a bit more about their business goals you know if they've received 
recent funding? What are they using that funding for? Like, how does this hire fit into that bigger picture of the business goals? Well, it depends who you're talking to, mm-hmm. but you know, whether it's an SDR manager or a CRO, that you're going to want to understand their role in the business and the goals that they're trying to meet. You know, is it they need to hit a certain ARR by next year? And yeah. how is this, you know, building that SDR team going to fit in with that? So understanding their business goals, some of the issues that they've had around hiring, whether it's time, uh, budget, or quality, quality all yeah. that kind of stuff, all the usual stuff. And then in the second more sort of in-depth discovery call would understand that the specification a bit more detail and kind of map out that process. Mm. And we can be really granular with mapping out that process. Although it's people think entry level jobs, it's just quick you fire a few CVs over and it's, you know, the job's filled. But we still take time to kind of it's almost like project management. Good delivery is project management. So mm. we work with the we kind of describe how we how we work, how we're different. Not so going do that, to. Sorry to butt in, but no, so okay. just to, do you. So you said discovery call there. One, not every recruiter knows what that is, by the way, mm-hmm. or like conducts those. Just so like, so do you split? So when you said discovery call business goals, is that a separate call? And then you say, okay, well, from what you shared, from what I've learned today, we've helped companies like yours. These are some of the companies that we've helped. So I'd actually really recommend that we book in a further time where we can go through Timberseed how we work, how we're different and, you know, how we could potentially help you achieve X. So like, do you separate it? Yeah, exactly. So I'd probably spend maybe five minutes at the end of that first call, just talking about, just giving them a very brief background on yeah, Timber Seed and why this is the You're trying to qualify them relevant. out, qualify them in, in that. Call. Yeah. I'm not trying to sell, like sell them Timber Seed really. I mean, a little bit I, I am, but, um, Okay, so yeah. you, that's the first part of the sales process is the, dis, the discovery call. The initial call. discovery, yeah. How, just curious then, what is the purpose of the discovery call in your point of view? I think it's to really understand those pain points and dig mm. deeper into those. Because sometimes there's pain points that they don't even realise that they had that you're uncovering. Mm. So making them kind of understand that pain and how we could be a solution to the problem mm. that they have. And yeah, I think just really understand how this hire that we're going to help them with is going to help them meet those mm. goals. Just is a lot of making them realize things, almost sometimes educating them on. Sometimes they think they need one thing, but actually, we've worked with other companies where something else has been more successful. So sometimes, for example, a prospect will come to us saying, "We need an SDR with two years' experience." It's an entry level job, but we need two years' experience. <laughs> so it's sort of making them understand that you don't need that experience. You need someone with the right potential and is going to mm. kind of grow with the business so how do you sell the discovery call when you've got a client that's basically saying to you and other recruitment companies alex i've got i need to we need to get to a million annual recurring revenue and in order to do that i have a, um i have you know five uh, sdr seats that we need to have filled asap here are the job specs can timber seed help because mm-hmm. i spoke to someone who operates in, in your space, Lewis, we were talking about this and their process. And he's saying sometimes like these people just want like, Alex, can you just, you know, start getting CVs over to us and, and like just start working on these opportunities for you to then go, you yeah, know, no, 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 hang on a minute. We need to take, have a discovery call. You need to tell me about your pain, about your challenges. And then we'll have another call where we can talk about how we can help. How do you navigate that? Just curious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to find that balance because mm. there's the sense of urgency. You need to have that commercial awareness that these jobs need to be filled. Well, the yeah. client's saying the job needs to be filled. So sometimes it can almost send you into a bit of a panic, like we need to see these now. But um, I think just taking a step back and uh, we can still have a very quick turnaround time. So just mm. helping them to understand what those next steps will look like, the realistic time frame. If they're saying we need people to have started yesterday, okay, well, you know, what's the next best thing? Because you know, people generally, if they're in a job, they're going to have a notice mm. period or they might 
you know, it's going to take you at least two weeks to do the interview process. So helping them to understand what that time frame would look like. I mean, we've got candidates normally ready to go. We've got, because of our delivery function, yeah. we've got a bank of you know, really strong candidates who we're kind of representing. So I can say, okay, we can book in that second call tomorrow where we can go through these mm. active candidates as well as mapping out the process. So kill two birds with one stone. It doesn't have to be a long drawn out mm. process. You know, we're not recruiting for a CFO here. We're, mm. we're recruiting junior people. So, well, you can have both. You can have the in-depth discovery and a deep understanding of the client's need whilst providing that kind of quick service yeah. for them. So yeah, you can have both. Would you not work with a customer if they weren't willing to do a discovery call? Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't work with them. Would probably. you say like, no, like this is the, this, the reason why we have this process is if we do this, it's going to help us in the long run sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, I haven't not for, it hasn't happened for a while where people have kind of refused to take that time. Obviously people are extremely busy mm. in the businesses that we speak to I and mean, everyone's busy all the time but I think just helping them to understand the value of that conversation if they don't have time they just want me to fling a few CVs over then I'll just say no I can send them some a case study and some example sure. candidates of people we placed recently so they can have a look before they decide to go through with that call but it needs to be a partnership yeah no I love that so then do the discovery call you learn about their challenges what they've tried so far their business goals what might prevent them from getting there you have all that information how do you then use that information in the next call then? Like what's fundamental in this next call on the on the sales process? So aside from going through like the candidate and role specification, mm. because it's not always exactly yeah, the, the job same. Brief, yeah. yeah, job brief, all of that kind of stuff. But I think sort of almost playing back their problems to them. So in mm. our previous call, you mentioned this, this and this. Sometimes I'd even almost do like a mini presentation of, okay, these are the issues you're having, this is how we'd solve it. And these are the candidates I think would be a good fit good to get your feedback so yeah i think just going through things in a bit more more depth in that discovery calls or playing back the the previous call mm -hmm. and mapping out the next steps as part of that do you because i know you've been working a lot more retained mm -hmm. do you have different products then that you sell and present in that yeah so we actually created a product because obviously we sell into the SaaS sector so they can relate to having like a, a product so mm. recruitment isn't normally seen as a product it's a service so but we tried to make it kind of relatable to people in in SaaS sales yep. so we kind of created this product that we call CX plus so client experience plus so okay. we have like a product document that we created with like a pricing sheet and everything just so they can be like okay this is like what we sell in a way so we kind of present that to them so that's our kind of retained service. These are all the extra things you get as a part of that. Compared to? Compared to our contingent or contingent exclusive. Contingent exclusive, yeah. It depend, really depends on the situation, the role, the scope of work that it's going to take us. And then we'll kind of weigh it up, whether it's something, you know, if they really don't want to go retained on that first mm. role because it's completely brand new for them. Sometimes they don't want to do that. But just highlighting the importance of that exclusivity and how it's going to benefit them rather than, oh, we want you to be exclusive with us because it makes honestly. our life easier. Like, they don't care. <laughs> What's in customer ex experience plus that isn't in exclusive? So I think it's just having that more structured process. That's one of the things. We'll still structure that process in an exclusive project, but it won't be as much of a priority. Like, we won't spend as much time having these kind of check-in calls and presenting candidates it's not like we'll have a set date to have a long list it's like okay we'll work on it and we'll try and get you candidates asap whereas it'll be a much more structured process as cx plus they also get a priority with the the market mapping report so the the 
movers and leavers reports. They also get the like salary benchmarking reports and they also get access to like like discounts for like sales trainers and stuff mm. like people in our network will introduce them to and they'll get a discount on that oh wow so you've created a whole thing around it yeah exactly and no, they also yeah and it depends on what they're looking for so if it's like a key hire uh, there's different like pricing packages if they're looking mm. for like a we call it a key hire that's like one person or a team, team build yeah. team build then they get some kind of maybe incentive on that, like a, a slight discount, discount if, yeah. as they're looking to hire like five people at once. Do you do anything around, because you have all that data on, do you do anything around like you're creating them like a, when I've asked people about this, what's quite common is you start working with them and you're presenting them, the candidates that you've spoken to, their reputation in the market, you're building like a bit of a talent pool, might be on a spreadsheet or whatever. Do you sort of do something similar to that where you're always building that, showcasing that with them in the check-in calls and that's data that they get to keep? A real quick one from me, and we'll get straight back into the conversation. Some of you may or may not be aware that I'm also the founder of a business called Hector. Hector is an all-in-one training platform for recruitment founders to maximize team performance. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because if you are someone that is enjoying this podcast week after week, you might even share this podcast with your colleagues, then I'd love to connect with you. Our training platform is powered by top performers delivering practical training for today's market. We believe training a lot of the time in the recruitment industry is dated, is stale, is delivered by people that did it 5, 10, 15 years ago. And we are completely going against that. So a lot of the people that you're able to learn on this podcast, you're able to learn even more from at Hector. So if you'd love to you know, find out more about how we could potentially help you get more out of your people, ramp up their performance more quickly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn or click the link in the show notes where you'll be able to book a call with us. Let's get straight back into the episode. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll build that initial long list of yeah. people. These are people in our network Which that we're going to reach keep. out to. Yeah, they can keep that and like the market insights. But yeah, just there's, there's generally just a lot more touch points in that process and a lot mm. more sort of feedback throughout the process as well. Was it difficult for you to start selling that if you hadn't worked like that before? Oh yeah, I've been a contingent recruitment my whole life. It's mm. a mindset shift for sure. It's having confidence in what you're selling is a necessity for them and it's a high quality product. So, mm. and we still we still have challenges with this because uh, some hiring managers will say, well, we've never worked like, this. worked like this before. Like, why do you need a retainer? There's, it's a whole sort of re-education type thing and a mind mindset shift within yourself and having confidence in, in going out there and, and selling that service. So yeah, I'd still, we're still ironing out that process is definitely not perfect. And I think it's more about, it will evolve over time and you kind of build confidence with that. Once you've won a few retained projects, then they all seem to come at mm. once. It's like buses, like it's, but getting that first few is, is the biggest challenge. What do you then do when you're pitching a customer, you're pitching them to work retained? but then they speak to one of your competitors and they don't go retained. They don't, they're not pitching retained and then they go with them. Well, that can be frustrating, right? Yeah, it can be frustrating and it does happen, but then it's probably, we've got to look at how well we've sold our product and mm. our service. And maybe they're just not the right client for us. Like we're really picky in the, the type of companies we work with. So mm. we're assessing whether they're the right fit for us, whether they're in our ICP, whether it's someone we can see ourselves partnering with and, vice versa and if they think a, another agency is a better fit for what they want and mm. they 
they're just looking for the, the cheaper option or they're just looking to save money, then obviously that's their priorities. We're not the cheapest. Like, we're never going to be the cheapest. So mm. um, if they want that, if they want a different style of service that's going to work for them, then that's absolutely fine. There will be other customers out there that this does work for them. And just interested then, what? because I'm sure you've thought more and more about this as, you, as you've refined it, what have you found that your customers have found to be the most valuable bar getting the people placed and in the job, you know, the things around it? Mm-hmm. Like, what have you found that they've gone, you know what, yes, you know, Timberseed help us get our SDR team, which is absolutely amazing, but they also provided this and we absolutely fucking love that. Has there been anything quite common that you found that they've really appreciated out of those the things that make the whole offer i think the market insights mm. and the market mapping and presenting that to them because they don't really have an understanding of the talent pool all they can see mm. is who's applying to their job adverts and you know some months it's we've got loads of people applying some months there's no no one applying so understanding yeah just having that kind of insight into more, more insights i think is what they find valuable yeah Wow, we've gone into a lot of details there, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> you wrote that down so well, though. Yeah, so, and I'm by no means an expert in retained recruitment. It's still very new to no, me. No, but all those, things, whole all those things that you shared there, it's more about, like, I've been on my own journey with this. I sell a training product. It's a 12-month contract. And I've really, for anyone that really wants to dive into this, I don't know if you've come across his content, but, like, I'm a huge fan of Alex Hormozian. He has this book called $100 Million Offers. Mm-hmm. And basically it's all centered around creating like an offer that you feel stupid saying no to. And it's all centered around having products that solve the problems that, you know, your customers likely have. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously what you're doing, right? You're, yep, people problem, but then also, you know, insight and understanding problem of are you paying the right things? Do you have the right benefits? Also, you're probably going to want to get these people up to speed. So we've also got trainers that you can tap into. So like you're like crafting that. So that's like really helpful because at the end of the day, a retain piece, like if you are going to consistently sell it, it isn't about you and getting money up front and that being great for you. It's about what, how it is for the other person receiving yeah. it right and what problems are you solving for them yeah and that needs to be evident when you're yeah. presenting that and during the discovery like it can't be like okay well this is just better because it is like you need to really make sure they understand the impact the positive impact for them mm. you know all about the the general experience for them the impact you know these people are probably going to stay longer if we you know if we take this approach like yeah. you're going to have better retention like you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of recruiters don't see themselves as salespeople. Mm. And I didn't really see myself as a salesperson before I started at Timberseed and I started working in the SaaS <sighs> sales sector. So even like just understanding like look, sales thought leaders, following them, there's obviously a lot of information out there. There's lots of books, but trying to see yourself as a salesperson and, you know, start reading these books and mm. following these people, like sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming, but just taking inspiration from that, not just okay, how do I recruit well? It's how do I sell? Mm, how do I sell? Yeah. yeah. Solve problems, mm-hmm. be outcome focused, solution focused. Yeah, I love it. So for people listening then that, okay, so let, let's just sort of round this episode out with with these one or two last thoughts then. I know we haven't covered absolutely everything that we want to speak about, but I feel like the things that we have spoken about would be so helpful for people. So I guess, firstly, if you were to, for people listening that may not have a delivery function or like a function that is solely focused on, the candidate part of that recruitment cycle. If you were to build that team from scratch, how would you go about that? Like what would be the the fundamental things that you would go about getting in place at the start to 
really hopefully have the best chance of this delivery function delivering as quickly as possible out of interest? Mm, that's a tough question because I've never built a team from okay, scratch. Fair. Um, but what, okay, so why don't, instead then, what do you think, like for people listening to Roundout, what are like the fundamental things that you think need to be in play to make a delivery function like successful and for it to be the engine room? So what we've found effective this time around, because we're quite lucky in that we almost get to do things again. If you know, we're hiring placement students, obviously yeah. the permanent members of staff, are they're here, they're part mm. of the furniture, but we always get a fresh start every year. So what's helped this year in building this delivery function from scratch is having, well, we call it the Timberseed Bible, like the delivery Bible. So mm. having all of our processes in place and making sure they're trained on, okay, this is the timber seed way. So having those processes in place before you start bringing on the people. So mm. from day one, they're very aware. And the playbook. Of, yeah, the playbook, yeah. So what are some of the things in the playbook? Well, it's about this thick, so a lot. Oh, is it like an actual <laughs> print out thing? Yeah, we printed it out, which was, yeah, it took forever, but... We also have it on, you know, on Google Docs, but... So what is it like, this is how you qualify a candidate, this is how you add them to the system? Yeah, literally everything. It was painstaking to make. So me... Did you make it? So me, uh, my colleague Anna, who manages the other Mm. delivery team, and Kalia, who helps with the kind of onboarding. So it was kind of a joint effort, but and it took ages, but now we've got that. And we can keep adding to it, you know, it's a live document that is going to... We also help them to understand from day one what obviously what their targets are, but what does performance look like and what does the bare minimum look like? Mm. So there's always these kind of, yeah, I guess the, the sort of, yeah, the upper mark and, and the, the lower mark, what, what excellent looks like, what kind of, you know, just standard looks like and helping them to understand that from day one. So the mm. expectations are really clear. I think when hiring young people or new people who are new to recruitment, you can't underestimate the value of structure in the job. So I think when I was... In my previous role, I used to, when I was doing like one-to-ones, et cetera, I used to let the one-to-ones just run. Like we would just mm. have a chat, you know, how are you getting on, any problems, et cetera. But now I have an agenda, we have a structure. And I think having that from day one, having that structure, not just on what good looks like in terms of numbers, like CV send outs and calls, stuff like that, but also what does good look like in terms of the attitude you bring to work every day? Because a lot of these people have never worked in an office before. They've never mm. worked in a recruitment firm before. So what you know, the morale and the sort of motivation and determination you bring to work every day. How do you support your colleagues with that out of office? Like, how do you present yourself like in client meetings, etc.? All this is in the Bible. So what does performance look like outside of just your numbers? It's Recruitment is more than just a numbers game. It's a mindset mm. thing. So, yeah, I think having that from day one, making sure, because I think people, well, young people, especially if they're new to the role, they they will kind of, Push, try and push boundaries a little bit but you know if you have that structure and that really kind of clear expectations from day one then they've got all the structure they need to go and perform basically i love that so many recruitment companies don't have that yeah and i've never had that really i mean i've had great managers who've trained me really well but i've never had that structure and i think you know everyone's always saying you need to be more organized like recruiters need to mm. organize their time better but no one teaches us how, how? to do that and no one gives us that gives structure us those systems those expectations those processes yeah. it's just just figure it out and be better basically. again this is like normal in saas right yeah exactly <laughs> to have those processes in place and there's a lot more structure i think because there's people who mm. are more technically minded that are working as part of that company and a lot of the founders yeah. so that's just there from day one whereas recruitment companies it's more about 
yeah, it's just a bit all over the place with a lot yeah, of different and it's, companies. Yeah, and it's so, like, we've got all of ours built in Notion. So we use Notion, and then we've got a sales playbook, we've got a customer success playbook, we're building a marketing playbook. And, it, you know, in the sales playbook, where, which is where I often find myself is we've got our most up-to-date talking tracks, you know, the opening to cold calls, what we use, the problem statements that we use. We've got our case studies in there. We've got, you know, the common objections that we're running into. It's just more of like all the things that you said. And then also how valuable is it to be able to go somewhere? So Alex has said, this is how we do things. This is, you know, what really world-class candidate qualification looks like. And also in our Timbersy Bible, it's documented for you. Mm-hmm. So next time when you're coaching me and you're listening to one of my calls and you give me a remedy and it's like, oh, you know what? I could have done that way better. Let me go back to like what world class looks like again and I can refer back to it, use it. That's so valuable. I wish I had that in recruitment because all I got given was a couple of printed out sheets for candidate qualification sheets and that's it. Yeah. There was nowhere for me to go to understand currently up to date what good looks like and what's working for people mm-hmm. which is why the bible the playbook whatever you want to use it is a really valuable thing it takes a lot of upfront time and effort but then as you said i'm glad you highlighted that because you've put that upfront time and effort and that's clearly been impactful in helping this time around yeah absolutely and we're currently in the process of building like a, a sales play, playbook like a bd mm. playbook but it's difficult because it's it's really just me and george but eventually there's going to be more the junior consultants are going to progress to doing that kind Mm. of more client BD type role. So they'll need a playbook for that. So it's like, okay, I've got to do another one now, but Mm. it's, it's worth it. It saves you so much time in the long run. Like all the little questions, they can refer back to their. But also I found it, I don't know about you, it it helped me as well. Oh yeah, I still look at the book. But like like actually creating it helps because like it helps you think about the how. You're equipping your team with how to do things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's like way more powerful rather than like do do it because I've said it this way. Yeah. Yeah. And it really gets you thinking about the how. Okay. Covered a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You really articulated things so well there in terms of breaking things down. And I know there's going to be so many things that people are going to think, hang on a minute, we could maybe implement this or we could do that. So, yeah, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. 
The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing. They're actively facing the challenges that your teams are. And a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are going to be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. There's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly, and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.